This week on Crime World... There was a Republican police from 1920. I mean, the IRA was effectively trying to run an underground government. And actually, there was a crime wave. 1919-1920, there's a wave of bank robberies, post office robberies, robberies of individuals, robberies of pubs in Dublin and in rural areas as well. So the IRA tried to actually clamp down on that. They, on occasion, solving bank robberies and giving the money back to the banks. Now, I'm Nicola Talent, and you can listen to my podcast, Crime World, wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, having my head shoved into the uh, steps of the Ulster Bank in Ranla, called butt of a gun put into the back of your skull. That's a moment where you go, OK, yeah, I think this one's up. How does a high-flying academic become one of Ireland's most prolific bank robbers? What I would see is the most important part of this still lies open. I'm Not Here to Hurt You, a brand new series from the award-winning team behind the Indo Daily. That November day, that's where it all, all begins. Out now wherever you get your podcasts. This is an Irish independent podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Left Wing Podcast. Will Slattery here with you. And just a quick word at the top of the show, myself, Rory O'Connor and Luke Fitzgerald originally recorded our episode at around lunchtime on Tuesday, just before the news of Owen Farrell's red card being overturned broke. And it was such a a seismic uh, moment ahead of the World Cup that myself and Rudd decided to put an emergency part of the podcast at the very top of the show to discuss it. And you can still listen to our full podcast info after this uh, little part of the chat. And we've left in our own final discussion because I think it actually takes on an interesting new light now that that red card has been overturned. So Rudd, what is your reaction? Obviously for people who are probably well aware of it now, own file picked up a red card against Wales at the weekend. It was initially given as a yellow, went to the TMO bunker, it was upgraded to red. And now it appears that he hasn't gotten any ban whatsoever. The red card's been overturned. What are your thoughts? I'm, I'm shocked, Will, to be honest. I, um, I think this has repercussions far beyond Owen Farrell, England, and this World Cup campaign. I think this is rugby's concussion protocols, disciplinary processes. Everything is now thrown into doubt um, because of this one decision. I think when people do listen to us a bit later on when we're talking about it, we never countenanced the idea that he wouldn't get some sort of a ban. I mean, tackle was a straight red all day to me the the argument seems to be from the disciplinary panel and we can maybe return to this but that that there was some mitigation in terms of there was moving parts he was knocked off kilter and and that's what led to him going shoulder first with his arm tucked into the head of tame bash or tame plumtree but um taking that out like 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 if that is the case and he was unlucky that's i don't agree with that decision um firstly the player suffered a very serious injury. The offending player in, in Owen Farrell has a, a, a back catalogue of these similar incidents. Rugby is supposed to be holding itself up as a safe sport, which takes head injuries and concussion and brain injuries very, very seriously. This sends out horrific messages on that front. It calls into question all of the things that we talk about later on about the, the, tackle, the, the tackle prevention procedure, all of that sort of stuff. It just looks like a whitewash. It looks like Owen Farrell has got away with this because he's too big to, to, to bring down. And maybe that's conspiracy theory talk. But like when you're the, the perspective of the casual fan, I think are, that's what people are going to think. And it's really surprising. It's shocking. Um, and as I say, it, it goes far beyond just one player and one um, and one team at a World Cup. It, 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 it throws a light on everything Wilby is doing. Yeah, it's funny. I don't want to preempt what we discussed actually later on in the podcast because, as you said, we, we touched on some of the bands that were given out and and the timings of it, people being back in time to play in some key matches. But, like, can it not just be a case? Obviously, we're reacting to this in real time. It's a huge story. Everyone's going mental on social media. But if they're saying that Jamie George fundamentally altered the nature of that collision, can we not just... Is that not to be accepted then? That, that well, this, is, this is what and I that mean. He, like, that it wasn't the red card and that he wasn't lucky. Well, I, I think that you're then going to have teams of, like this is precedent now because look, the, the rugby's disciplinary procedure is too legalistic anyway. It's like a courtroom and I think now teams are going to be like legal teams who represent players in, in hearings. It's open season now because really the mitigation in this case, I don't think it was serious enough to, to get them off. I don't see that the the change in direction was enough. Like, look, I'll need to go back and look at it several times again just to to be 100% in my own mind. But based on what I saw at the time and what I've seen on the clips, and like everyone's seen this incident, everyone who's listening has seen this incident a couple of times at this stage. And if you haven't, 
go and look at it, make up your like it. It fails the eye test to my to my degree. And like, yes, it's important that the best players are are at the World Cup wherever possible. And it's very sad the players are missing out through injury. But the more important thing is that pe- people who go out to play rugby are being protected in the best way possible. Injuries will happen, but by the sport and its governing body. Owen Farrell's technique going into that, whether he got a little nudge or, or not, he still took his arm, he still made contact with the head forcefully. It, to me, was a red card. It was a red card in black and white. And I don't really accept the mitigation. I think this legal team have earned their fees in a massive, massive way here. Um... I just can't believe like that 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 he whatever I I, I thought he gets some form of a ban. I think it was a red card offence. Like we've got to bear in mind also that the, the bunker process is now in question. So the whole idea of this is you've got a yellow card. He goes to the sideline. It goes to a bunker. A, a group, a team of officials who are sitting in a, in a cold, isolated place. Maybe it's not cold. They're probably with the heat on, but an isolated place away from the white heat of of the match and and the Twickenham environment. And they calmly re- review this over and over again. And they made a decision that this was a yellow to a red. So in the intervening three days, this team of Australian uh, judiciary, John Langton, the former Munster second row, was one of them, have come to a completely different conclusion. So where's the consistency in that as well, you know? And the, the interesting part of the TMO bunker, which is obviously going to be a massive talking point, is there was a line, and I read through the, the hearing, uh, the, or the notes that came out of it, saying no criticism is warranted for the TMO bunker because, you know, we had the luxury of reviewing it in, you know, very relaxed, you know, very different circumstances. But is that not the idea the bunker was brought in, that, like, they're taking it out of the referee's hands in terms of the, the bang for blood of the crowd? And now the, the, the judiciary are now saying that we actually needed another layer of removal from even the bunker process. One line that's missing from the bottom of this statement is whether, and I believe they can, World Rugby can appeal this judgment, and I think they should, because I think now that the whole idea of that bunker system, as you say, was to to take make calm decisions and take them away from the referee who's being influenced by the crowd and the noise and just naturally what, what people are influenced in the idea. If they're saying that the bunker can't get the decision wrong, and if like they can say that there's no criticism all they like, the criticism is implicit in the fact that they're saying they got the decision wrong, that Owen Farrell should have completed the game. He should have come back on after 10 minutes. Like if this, right, spin it the other way. Owen Farrell just got sent off in the test match against Wales. England ended up winning. This is a World Cup semi-final. Owen Farrell gets yellow card. It's upgraded to red. England lose the game. And on the Tuesday, the disciplinary committee say, no, you were wrong. The ramifications that are huge. So like, like there's a, the, if Owen Farrell was, in fact, an innocent man, as this committee are are, are saying, well, that, that whole in, incident, like, you know, he has reason to be really annoyed. Now, he'll feel relieved because I think he would have gone into the hearing thinking he's getting a ban. But spin it the other way, a more important match, and we talk about this later, about, you know, the hierarchy of importance. If this happens at the World Cup, where an Irish player, for, for, for our audience's interest, is sent off, you know, yellow card upgraded to red, and on a Tuesday he gets off, but Ireland are out of the World Cup. We'll be up in arms about it. It undermines the entire process. Like where, at what point can Ruby get the decisions right? They've taken away from the referee. Now they've brought in this other, um, you know, 10 minute period for them to, to consider it. That's getting it wrong. To be honest, I think they got it right. I think the judiciary's got this wrong. And if we Ruby can appeal, they should because there's so many, like brain injury and concussion is such a big talking point. It hovers around every game. I just think it sends out all the wrong messages that he gets off. I think the... It undermines all of the things that we know going into this tournament. It's so, like three weeks to go, and rugby's disciplinary process is up in smoke. You know, it's it's not it's not a good look for the sport. Uh, it undermines faith and trust. We're going to be questioning every decision. And like in the wake of Johnny Sexton getting banned for, you know, rightly so for for questioning referees. But like, how can um, players have any trust or faith in what's going on if the processes are so inconsistent? Like, if you take away the emotion of it and the fact that you know, like the, the danger of the tackle and all that sort of stuff. It's consistency. So the ref gives a yellow, the bunker gives a red, and then the disability committee gives a yellow. I mean, come on, where how are we supposed to know what's going on? Well, I don't think that's going to be the last we'll have heard of this for sure. I'd like to thank Rudd for joining me for our little emergency pod uh, to start the show. Now we're just going to go back to our originally recorded podcast. And I actually started off talking to Rory as well. And I asked him, after the weekend of injuries and red cards, you know, there's a, there's a lot up in the air in this warm-up period. Yeah, like these games are obviously a necessary evil. You have to tune up in some regard to get to the the starting point. But God, it just exposes how 
bloody rough rugby is, isn't it? And how difficult a sport it is to play and get through unscathed. And I don't know, because there's more focus, you're, you're kind of, everything's more heightened around these injuries, but it does seem like, and, and because of the impact of each injury, if it's an eight-week injury or 12-week injury, that's your World Cup. And obviously, Entomax is, ACL, so he's gone for a year or well, six six months to a year. But uh, it does seem like these games are having a, a major toll on squads. Obviously, we're waiting update on Jack Conan from Ireland, and um, the other two seem okay. But it, you know they got to get through two more tests against England and Samoa in the next two weeks. So fingers crossed they get to the start line with 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 everyone there. But you know South Africa have lost bodies. Sorry, Australia have lost bodies. Everyone's lost bodies. It's it's been very attritional and gives us lots to talk about, which is a good thing. But it's it's particularly in the examples of um, Entomac at a home World Cup and Jack Van Port- Portfleet the England scrum half. Just to have your World Cup taken away from you in that way, a la la toe over in Australia well, as well. It's just so difficult for those players, especially Entomac, because it, you know he's been their guy for five years with this tournament in mind and just when he's about to touch it and he's playing in front of a home crowd and it feels like a World Cup night, it's gone from him. That's cruel. Yeah, like the broader points road mate. I completely agree. But just the Antimac one in particular, Luke, like that's a huge blow for France. Like he really is their main out half. I know they, to be fair, have a lot of depth in that position. But as Rod said, like the way he finished the top 14 season with that try, there was very much of a sense with him and DuPont, that club combination, that they were primed to win the home World Cup. It, it definitely throws a bit of a spanner in the works, I think. It does. I think there's there's certainly a lot to be said about having that kind of continuity in, in 9 and 10, whether you play your club rugby together or whether you've just played a lot of internationals together. That seems to to help um, with that, re- those, that really important area in your team. The, the kind of brain power really resides there generally. So um, really disappointed for him. I think he has that kind of X-factory type uh, feel about him, doesn't he? I mean, that that try obviously in the in the top 14 final was, was pretty spectacular, as you said. Finished the season very strongly, but um, I think what he's added to his game um, particularly in a French jersey uh, probably doesn't need to be as tight in his game with Toulouse but with the, within the French jersey I think he can kind of play the percentages now I think he plays he doesn't look for the the, the Superman option every single time he's a really polished 10 now um, and they will miss him uh, great player so really disappointed for him disappointed for the tournament I think you miss having him uh, and I think as well he's quite important for France because I think with Ramos at 15, this is kind of a weird point, but I was thinking about it. Ramos at 15, he's kind of solid. Now, lovely player, like nice, nice top of the ground runner, pretty solid. But usually a French 15 can be like really flary, you know, can, you know, liable to make a mistake. But with his kicking, he's solid under the high ball, good tackler as well, generally when he wants to. Um, the other, they, I feel like the X factor resides with, or sorry, is, is um, I, I think, um, Entomac, sorry, has that little bit of X factor that you generally would get across the back line. You don't, they don't need to have a solid guy there. They have him at 15. So I think that it's a weird kind of thing to say, but it's a nice balance to have in that spine at 10 and 15 between the two of them. I think they miss him. They will miss him. I think Chalabert does fill, take a lot of those boxes though. I think like, he's a different player, but he's a lovely player. Yeah, and then they've Hasto, who's just led La Rochelle to a, a European Cup. So he their cracking depth. season. And then Carbonell's a good player as well. He's just, did he, was he there for too long in the, the Challenge Cup final? I think he was. So they have inc- like better than depth than anyone else that they can go down. There's no Stephen Donald's getting called up from the division uh, trip and, and the top 14 starts this weekend. So who, even if they have to go beyond that, the players are playing competitive rugby as they go. So I think they'll be less affected by it than maybe other teams. But what you lose, I suppose, with Jalabar starting is the impact of Jalabar coming off the bench. So do you promote Hastoy, who's a very good, but probably more old-fashioned traditional 10 Jalabert I think is more like Entomac he's more like for like I guess as you go through your depth chart it just it, it reduces the it impact they have there, it? It yeah, and like, but they have to quasi go 6-2 because they've got Luke and cover the wing as well Like they, they have more options than any other team but they have been building their team around DuPont Entomac for five years and, and that, to get to lose them at this point is a there's no getting away from the fact it's a massive blow. Well, it does feel like the 10s are the talking yeah. points ahead of this. It does. He's, yeah. gu- he's guided them through a few tight ones though, mm. I think. like That's what he probably has added as well in the last couple of years where you were kind of saying, mm, is he a little bit flaky? But, can he deliver? But he has yeah. done that. And they have, but they have, again, like Ramos can kick goals. So, like, it's like, yeah, so it's you, know, like you lose Sexton, that, yeah. you lose so many different parts of it. They seem like the team can absorb his loss. Not saying it's not a big loss, but I do think especially with like Jalabert was picked ahead of him first and then he did his cruciate in his debut and probably lost ground and then a lot of people in France wanted Jalabert ahead yeah. of Ben. Until that anyway. game of Twickenham I would say that they were very much pushing for a change of 10 and then he was so good you know, they put 50 points in England and he was like, spectacular and he kind of kicked on from there I think any other country could absorb the, could, 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 would be like we'd be, it'd be crisis point but I think they can absorb 
they don't want to lose another one, but they can absorb his blow. I, I think the kicking point is a really good one because if you think about what Crowley or what Byrne have to shoulder when they come in, it's not just general play, put the team in the right positions on the pitch. You also now have this added pressure of the goal kicking duties kind of on your shoulders too. So that's actually, I think that's a really good point. I'm sure maybe probably an obvious one, uh, but maybe it didn't hadn't dawned on me. That's actually is another nice string to that. And you've DuPont well. inside you as well, who takes so many of the decisions as well. So it's, well, you know, be taking more now. Will there be more pressure on him now? There will. But like, I, I think, I, I, I'm happy to put the, show, the pressure on him. I, think he just, <laughs> I don't even mean like mental pressure, but just literally is in that more whole, stuff going through him. Because, I, look, I haven't been to France yet. I think when we get there, you're just going to be seeing Antoine Dupont everywhere. I think pressure is like when you're the star of the French team in a French World Cup, like he's already under. I don't think he's going to, he can put up more pressure on his shoulders, but he looks well able to he take is it. The, you know, he's the world he is the team. Like he's the yeah. best player in the world. This is his tournament. Like he's been on the front page of French GQ. He's, he, I would say, if he suffered in any way, he would already be suffering. I don't think, I'd see, like, I, I think that the impact of the team is big. I just don't see, if the pawn is going to crumble, it's not because of this. He's already starting to crumble. And we're not seeing that. Yeah. It's funny that you mentioned the top 14 starting this weekend. We were a few weeks ago saying how like Leinster, Munster, Ulster training for, you know, months and months and months. And then the, sure, the top 14 only finished, it seems like a very short time ago. Like an it, do, it, it does seem like the, just the provinces have announced a couple of friends. It does look like the RFU have gone, hang on, we need these lads playing some sort of rugby so that if we have to delve into that depth chart. Yeah. <laughs> From Japan are sent, perspective. Yeah, 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 yeah. soul destroying <laughs> But Japan have sent a lot of lads to play for the Barbarians. Australia have an A-team touring somewhere in Europe during the World Cup. So everyone's trying to pre- prepare for that eventuality because all you have to do is look at the warm-ups. Imagine when the real stuff starts. Yeah. I know your body's better able to take the contact at that point, at that time, but... This is going to you be very traditional. You end up in worse positions though because you're just not, you know, you, mm. you do have to, like you have to train yourself. The, the, the end memory of one was so innocuous. It just, it, yeah, like I know that could have happened in training, you know, that, that was, you know, it's, if it's going to go, it's going to go, but it was, uh, it was so unfortunate. Him. And then yeah. Cyril Boy, like a less glamorous part, Big but he's loss. a really yeah. important yeah. part. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, I think we're going to talk about O'Farrell next time, but it's going to be a question of, do you bring these guys if they're going to miss a significant chunk of the pool yeah. stages? That's a big well, question. A question I was talking to you about kind of before we'd gotten back into the podcast season when the Johnny Sexton ban mm. was being mooted and I said, well, how many games would he have to miss before Andy Farrell might have to leave him at home? And on Farrell, obviously, when Steve Bortick will have that question. Now, yeah, we might as well get onto it because it was a massive talking point. Like, it's it's just funny how two captains, you know, two respective tens, both going through their own kind of uh, issues at the moment. Like, what did you, what do you expect them to miss a lot of, of the World Cup? Like, what, what do you think we'll be looking at here? Well, look, if you go, I think the low-end sanction is six weeks and then they mitigate it down. And obviously, he 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 will have less mitigation than others because of his record. But also, he can't go to what everyone is calling tackle school, the tackle intervention program, because he's already <laughs> done it. That was a great it. tweet by um, Barkley, wasn't it? The, he's going for his master's yeah. tackle school. <laughs> I thought it was an absolute cracking uh, line. Like, it's, it's an amazing story. Like the, fact, the fact that he's done it again in such an innocuous game, like in a, like in a rubbish game that he, he almost almost had to get himself involved and got himself sent off. I would say, judging by the way they've handed out bands this summer, Sexton and Xander Fagerson included, I think you're looking at maybe four games, maybe five. So that rules them out of Argentina. I think Japan's their second game. That's their second biggest game of the, the pool stages. I with a, with a 10, given they've got Ford and, and um, Smith. Marcus Smith as well, I think they can probably afford it. Whereas France with Cyril Bai, if another tight, or another loose has goes down, then you're in real trouble in terms of what you're carrying. So it's going to be really hard for them to carry an injured prop whereas an injured back I think it's probably slightly easier I know 10 is a really special position but he is your captain if he gets 6 games or 7 games if he misses the entire pool I think you leave him at home does he will he like as you said the, the bands that have been given out do look like bands given out to let people play at the World Cup to a degree that's what, I, that's what I'm drawing from the way bands have been given out I'm not mentioning any players but just well, the, the one thing though that is that, and I was interested in um, you know, I, I do think the impact of, of, and it should probably be taken into account a little bit. I'm not saying that you, the World you Cup. it is, it's such a big part of your career. It's, once every like, four it, years. it's like you have to, I do think you have to weight things differently. No, I, I honestly believe that will. I, 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 know, re- I don't disagree with the kind of the intangible point, but I just think, how can you do that? Like, I actually think that World Rugby could put together a matrix of importance. They could, they could start with this where, you know, a World Cup game is worth four pro URC games or a, um, there is easy, a way like there, there, are no, there are intelligent yeah. people in, in that building but right now there's nothing as far as I understand now. that I, yeah. Andy McGeady was tweeting about this this morning 
there is every game is treated equally. So under World Rugby's regulations right now, although I agree with you, it does look like they've kind of tailored things to make sure guys are not missing too much World Cup. At the moment, uh, you know, and Ealing Trailfinders versus Doncaster is the same as Ireland-France at the World Cup. I, I don't think that's really fair. I do think the fact that it's every four years in particular, you know, I think a one-game gap ban at a World Cup is worth four ga- four weeks in a, in, in a regular season. So the, the other side of the argument is going to be, well, what about me who can't remember my, my wife and kids' names? Um, mm. You know, so, so yeah, like, really that bad. doesn't mean much to me. Now, I'm and, not saying... And, when it's, and when it's a repeat effect. Like, Owen Farrell has had this issue in his tackle, tackling for his entire career. We talk about Johnny Sexton's tackle height and all that sort of stuff, but that's got him into trouble. He's never really actually gone... Yeah, Johnny doesn't head tuck off the arm. No, Johnny does not tuck the arm. I saw you about that. Like the, That's the, the really chicken wing part. Is, is, I really don't dangerous. like that part. Yeah, but yeah. it's repeated. Like you know, whether it go back to Esther Hazen, which escape punishment for some reason, he has had a repeated pattern through his career. He deserves to be suspended, 100%. and he deserves to be suspended for a good chunk of time. So if that costs him a World Cup, I've less sympathy for him than I do for someone who who makes a mistake and tackles like Freddie Stewart, although he has previous as well. But you know that that one where he got his timing wrong. I'm kind of less. You know, the Farrell one is just that was an awkward one. That was an awkward, like this is this one. He has time. My biggest issue with this, and and, and I, I'm, I'm such a big Owen Farrell fan. I, I really do like him as a player, as a leader. Love everything he stands for. But the tackling part, I don't think he's cowardly. But the way he tackles, I don't. I really think it is a little bit cowardly. I think it's a bit. It's it's nasty, um, and it means that what, what I what I why I say cowardly against a guy who is clearly a tough guy, um is if you took your arm when you're doing these things, there's a real chance that you don't get hurt. Also, staying high, there's less chance of you getting hurt too. He saw that guy coming through. There was also an England player just off his shoulder about to tackle um, the, the Welsh player coming through who ended up getting the high shot from Farrell. Um, so you know there's going to be weight behind the collision. I think he's protecting himself. I don't, that, that one to me screams of... Go for the ball, yes, but you should be just hitting that guy in the hips and taking him down, let him fall over the top of you, or else drilling him low and driving him back. But you can get hurt in that position. And that's what I really don't like about it. Once you open your arms up properly to, to for a top, proper tackle technique, you open the shoulder up, you open the you open the, the the neck up a little bit, you can get a little bit hurt. I think there's a little bit of that in this, and that's what really makes me feel really angry about this one. I really don't like it. Um and I think they need. I think they might need to make an example of him. I hate saying this, and I know I've just after saying the, the other side of the argument about the World Cup and how big an impact it has on someone's career. At some point, you have to take other people's um, health and safety into account when you're making these decisions. These are split second decisions, but if you're not practicing, if he's not, if he's going to this tackle school mitigation thing, if he's not in these better positions um, to to help other players be safe on the pitch, if you know, if you're not in that early. I, I think you've got to start pinging guys if they've been there before. It's a, it's a big problem. We need to get. We need to make sure we're. we're this this would be a perfect uh, guy to make an example of because the health and safety aspect of this, we're all blue in the face shouting it. It needs to get resolved, and this is a good opportunity to do that. I think. When like the the hearing is independent. I think they're all Australian actually. The the, the judges who are are hearing them, but World Rugby do have a chance to appeal as well. So if it is lenient, they must be looking at the coverage of their tackle intervention scheme slash tackle school where we're all laughing about it and joking about it because Owen Farrell went through it and is still making the same mistake his own coaches did it it's video they have to submit it back to World Rugby but if they want that to be taken seriously as as a a really serious way of um, approaching head injuries and also poor tackle technique well then they should be appealing and saying well hang on a second this guy went through our processes. We gave him every chance. We've given him a second chance. We we allowed him to go through this thing. We gave him a game back which was a Six Nations game against Scotland if I remember correctly and he's still doing the same thing. He's still endangering op- opponents with the same technique. Well, unless they're saying, well, our thing doesn't work and we're going to get rid of it, then they've got to punish the player. So I, I like this thing shouldn't be a joke. If they think it's the real, if, if it's there and it's not just there to get lads one, li- one week less than a ban, which is what it looks like to me now, if they're serious about it, I think that they have to bring the, throw the book of Farrell. And if the, the three-man committee don't, or three-person committee don't do that this week, then we're, we should really be looking at um, oh, I think they'd be uproar if they don't. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, that, I think the Farrell, you, the Farrell one you alluded to, uh, the, the Six Nations game he got back. That's because he was allowed to use a game, a Saracens game that he would not have been able to play in had he actually been in the England squad. It would be like if you know Johnny Sexton could use a Leinster friendly before the, first, the you know the England game to use as a mitigation. It just, it just it was kind of this. They kind of snaked around the rules a bit, like to get him in to that extra bit, game. A bit like Ireland with the Portugal game. Well, 
I wouldn't say that. That's not, I, wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't make that decision. <laughs> well, I think if if if, if Johnny Sexton had been suspended for the Romania game and they'd played for Portugal in a test in Portugal in Faro in front of nobody, that would be probably. But I, yeah, they, they definitely you're bent still getting, the rules. You're still there, getting training. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah it's yeah. probably on the other side of it though. It doesn't reduce yeah. the actual games available. Just, just speaking of England, obviously Ireland playing them this weekend. Like, what do you make of where they're at? Like, obviously the Farrell thing was a massive controversy from the weekend, but they were very very poor again and. It was being teed up as, I think it was the most experienced team England had ever selected in terms of caps. And I was thinking, I don't know if that's a great th- thing, you know, in terms of where well, they're, they're at. not the worst of the World Cup, though. Uh, it's, hard to get the t- it's hard to know on that one. I get your point. Um, I'll be a little bit concerned. I think they haven't made much progress from what I can see. Um, although you are looking at preseason games. So you just always have to bear that in mind a little bit. Um, I think they looked a little bit better with Ford. So I'm not actually sure that this is actually a worse thing that Farrell's gone. I think it is. I think your captain, um, you know, I think he's a big game player. So I do think it hurts them. But Ford, they did look a little bit better with Ford there, I thought. A little bit more free-flowing. Um, Ford was Bordwick's 10 at, at Leicester. So he knows this game plan. You know, he's played with Wigglesworth and Bordwick. So there, there is definitely an argument for just going with Ford and taking this as an opportunity. Because one thing, they don't have time. But well, think, the only thing is they probably have time on that side of the draw. Is my one? Th- I, I think here they've a little bit. I know there's a few like a few slippery fixtures, but they should they should progress like pretty easy from from that side of the draw, shouldn't they? So like I think they do. They actually and have the time to play final, themselves it in. It doesn't really matter if they play Australia or Wales. I would say in terms of like they that's don't, they don't need too. to win every pool game. So no. they actually do have until you know five. Six I, I, matches, that's really, what I think. Yeah. I, I, I'm I think they have more time than other people. To, you you want to hit it early. I, I'd rather be in a Scotland shoes playing better than I thought I'd be playing than being in England shoes still going oh I am I can see Will as soon as I mentioned <laughs> Scotland the those boys, we're, not, we're not there I, yet I, no, but I just think I'd rather be playing well earlier I, but I still think these guys have they, England have a bit more time Rudds. I know you want to no, be playing I, better I agree. no I agree with you I just I would be wary of writing off especially as, a, as an Irish podcast with recent World Cup experience Japan or Argentina yeah that's like fair yeah. the, like, I don't think Japan are as good as they were in 15 or 19 but they still have Jamie Joseph as a coach um, England are a low ebb. I mean, they had a yeah, terrible they Six Nations. They had a pretty poor November. They, they sacked their coach. Their league is terrible. They've lost three clubs. They're, uh, yes, it is a warm up. Like, if you look at it, four, four years ago, they hammered Ireland 57 something uh, they, in, in, in Twickenham. Now they're squeezing past Wales, getting lads Simbin. Their discipline's terrible. Discipline's poor in the Six Nations. Their captain's suspended. Argentina have been very muddled, but they've got an experienced coach. They're very cohesive and there have been signs during those muddled games that they, they could rip anyone open and they've got a grizzled forward pack who can probably handle what England throw at them. And then Japan just produced big performances at World Cups. Now, I don't know if it's beyond them this time. I mean, I, I think they possibly, the way possibly is. English pack should... But Samoa are good as well. Like Samoa, Samoa like I don't think Samoa will beat England. They're slippery. They're, well, they're two slippery ones. You should like, get With the players that those. they've gotten back, Samoa looked like they're stronger than Tonga who are in, in, in Ireland's group. You should but I don't think there's anything guaranteed for this England team because I don't think they're good enough to guarantee anything. Like they've they've lost to, like they only barely beat Japan the last time I remember them playing them, uh, certainly in Twickenham. Like there are, there's warning signs there. There's a lot of, I'm not, I think they'll get to a semi-final. But to do so, they need to play a lot better. I don't think they can turn up the way they're turning up right now and play the by-numbers approach that Bortwick plays, which I really, I find his obsession with stats. I find his personality quite dull. <laughs> I think the squad is quite... I don't understand what he's trying to do with the players that he's got. If, you, if you're playing the way you do, why are you bring Marcus Smith at all? Surely there's someone within the premiership who can play the game does that you he want not, to play. Does he not give you... Like, I think if you, even if you're a stats guy, like you, you'd you have to recognise that someone like Marcus Smith, if you're in a tight... If you are if you just need someone to break a game open, if you, you know, the last 15, 20 minutes, he certainly adds value. And I think as well, even from a training perspective, you have him there running the, se- running the second team against you every day. Like if you're... You know, if you're... If you're thinking you're coming up against an Australia particularly who are going to be playing pretty fast and loose, it looks like. Someone like Marcus Smith, is, there's value in having him there. I can see it on both sides of that coin where you say, he'd be nice to have him a bench if I need, if I just need something, if nothing's happening just and nothing's been happening for this England team. I just don't get the impression Portswick lets you do that. Like Alex Mitchell's come into the squad now. Is he just going to have to kick like Van Porfley? Because I think what Farrell would do, Andy Farrell would do, is he go, okay, well, this is his, this guy's strengths. We'll, we'll adapt to him and you go play and I'll empower you. With Bortwick, it just seems so formulaic. This is what we do. And it's 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 very to me, it's it's outdated. I I think it can work to a point. And he won a premiership at Leicester, and it's very impressive. And um he's a very good forwards coach. His line out detail is very good, but I just don't see him being 
a World Cup winning head coach. I mean, you can replay this back to me in, 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 in at the end of ah, October. I know, sorry, none of the evidence like, would support there that. There's no, 0% chance of a team in that side of the draw winning a World Cup. I'm happy. There's to not, no, because they can get through. No. I think I think one of those teams could get a bit of momentum, get to a semi-final, and the, the, the quarterfinal would have taken so much out of the team on the other side of the draw that England could take an Ireland or France who've been battered in the previous week and then limp into a final. And in 07, a terrible English team nearly won a World Cup. France between no, I could see, I could see. France hammered them in the Six Nations. Ireland played uh, really poorly and nervously and scored four tries against them at home. I, just, I think they're so far off the other teams, but I think one of those know, teams would be France, dangerous. They, they, England could beat us. I, I feel like they, they couldn't beat France. I think just whatever, what France have. Now, I know... Uh, and Tamak goes down. As you mentioned, there's lots of, there's too much quality there, too much depth. I, I think the French yeah, pack... I don't think it's going to happen. I just think there's yeah, an argument. There's less right. chance of beating France. France are more, a more difficult proposition for England um, than than we are. Just they, yeah. they could slow the game down against us. They could get there's in. There's also New Zealand and South them. Africa there as well. They could yeah, beat yeah. South Africa or New Zealand on their yeah. day, but on current form... Oh, I don't think they beat New Zealand. New Zealand are playing great. New Zealand are playing really good rugby, guys. I'm telling you, they're, they're, I know they're a little bit loose, but I think they're coming into this just right. I think they've timed this really well. And I think they have, talk about depth at, at 10, and people are saying we might have the most depth. I think New Zealand have the most depth at 10 now. We, I don't think we have. Uh, well, the Chiefs are playing well. Things are playing the most well. depth at 10. Maybe Matt Williams was saying it last <laughs> night. <Yeah. so. laughs> I don't know. I thought, when you think about it, though, like, you know, I've never I think maybe the distance that. between our. One, I actually one and two three is probably far, but actually, if you think about Ross Byrne and from two, uh, two to seven or eight, I'll all have say we have the least have depth potential. I've never 10. heard someone say we have the most depth. Like, is it? Oh, well, he was maybe compared, Johnny Sexton versus maybe he was compared the, to Scotland or whatever. Australia, maybe he's compared. No, but if you think about the two lads finished. Hang on, a good so, player. So, like, so Crowley finished with the with the the, the team that won the league, mm-hmm. uh, and Ross Byrne, in fairness, didn't have a, a great fun, but Leinster didn't have a great fun, and he guided them the whole way through the competition there. So, like, maybe that's what he's. But it's more like Johnny Sexton, and then the gap between there is a big gap. But I think like. Oh, I, we listed Owen Farrell, Marcus Smith, George Ford. Like they're three really, really good. Players. I don't. We're going to get on to Ireland. I'm sure. Yeah. I'm actually not that worried about that area. I reckon that we probably most people will probably call out that area. I'm not as concerned about that. I haven't seen Crowley. I think Crowley looks solid. I think Byrne will be solid. They're both good kickers off the ground. Both. Crowley's I think both well. high pressure players. I think. I think yeah. they've both let's proven a, that. Let's, let's move on to Ireland then. Obviously, you know, you mentioned the the World Cup warm game in 2019. Ireland are coming into this one in a very different place. How would you kind of assess where they're at going into the single game? Obviously, having been in Portugal, having no game then at the weekend, like it, it seems to be apples and oranges compared to where they were. Like I, I think they have a chance to do to England what England did to them four years ago. I think there's a real chance to perform here because there's none of the pressure. Like they'll be really, like obviously they enjoyed the Grand Slam. They had a great time. We all saw the videos of them uh, rocking around Dublin. But like I think there'll be a bit of bit of them in the back of their mind that they didn't do themselves justice that day. Um, that they the nerves got to them. This is probably the only hit out. And I'm not sure, it's too early in the week to know exactly what the team's going to be, but I would expect, given who didn't play against um, Italy a couple of weeks ago, that's going to be a very strong team. Um, I think it's probably the only time we're going to see a very strong team between now and maybe the, well, the remaining game, they'll probably pick a decent team. They'll probably mix and match through those first two, but this is the dress rehearsal. Um, and Ireland's best team, having had the prep that they've had, given what I... What I liked about the Italy game, I think they could deliver a really good performance on, on Saturday and they could they could rack up a score because I think England are always difficult to play against. They make life hard for you. They've got good players. But at home, having had a week off, that tough training week in Portugal, whatever the training game, although I believe the training game against Portugal was quite, was quite rusty. I think there was a lot of mistakes, but maybe that's no harm. I, I'm expecting an Irish performance. I'm expecting an Irish win. And I think this is a chance for Ireland to remind everyone a little bit not to write them off because they've been so quiet. And everyone, I think, in that vacuum that they create for themselves by not doing an awful lot and not playing that many games, everyone's talking about New Zealand. People, you know, France, Scotland have just had like this epic two-game series mm-hmm. out of nowhere. Everyone's talking about the other teams. I think this is a chance for like Dan Sheen to remind everyone that he's like the best hooker in the world. That, you know, that, that those players that... Gibson Park, we haven't seen him in ages. Like yeah. you know, that there's a real opportunity there to to not show your hand completely, but to remind everyone we're still we're still here. Then disappear again. Let a kind of a mix and match team play against Samoa, whoever needs games, and then build into a World Cup. Where I do think we have Ireland have their best chance of performing to their potential that we've ever had. It's funny we all sound kind of confident comparing Ireland to other teams. People from outside Ireland listening to this must be like, these guys are delusional. Like they've never played well at the World Cup when they're here sitting and kind of talking as if like Ireland have everything in hand. It's planned to a T. And I'm actually, I don't disagree with what Rudd said at all. I actually do agree with you. But if someone from the outside were looking in was listening to us, would they be like, 
these guys need to kind of have a little bit more perspective. Or I don't know. I don't. I think. Like, like, what, are, what do you think people from other countries are saying about Ireland at this point in time? I think very good. I think they still think that the bookies will have it right in terms of the favourites. I think France and and New Zealand look like they deserve the favourites tag at this point in time. I think that could change pretty quickly. I, my, my concern with Ireland is that can we last through the whole competition? I just feel like yeah. durability wise, um, will we be able to last the pace? I just feel like South Africa is a big task for us to back up. And like, you know, I know we have the week off and I think that's quite important actually, but, um, you know, I just feel like we might lose a few bodies in that one. I just think the way the, the, the South Africans play, they can pitch up like that every week because they're just big human beings. They play that way every week. Uh, it doesn't matter who it is. And I just feel like that might be a challenge for us to pitch up again against, say, the like of a France and New Zealand in a couple of weeks' time. Um, I think Scotland looked pretty good as well. I'm a little bit concerned about that. Um, but and, and they're a big team too. If you think about that, that back three on the weekend was big, like Stain. Um, and even Kinghorn is bigger than uh, Van der Meeuwen. Now, I know Van der Meeuwen's a bigger man, but like there's just, they look big and chunky um, and they look very fit. So that'll be a big challenge too. So in saying all those things, I do think the 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 depth that Ireland have um, leaves us in less exposed position than we would be in, in 2015, which I actually thought we were in great uh, form coming into that with lots of players playing at the peak of their powers, but like literally had five very key guys taken out of that team. Um, so I think this probably is, I think this team would, would, would fare better with five key guys coming out than that team did. And I do think that Ireland... Um, with the coaching staff, with the players where they are, I do think we're best positioned without Sexton, I think, I, I, in a very, very long time for people to take on the mantle. And I just think uh, the team look happier and I think they're more comfortable with the game plan. And I think they've figured out how to play a way um, that Ireland can be consistent because we play to what our, our strengths are. Uh, that fit, that fast fit, smart game plan, people making decisions, people empowered all over the pitch um, to make decisions uh, on, on their feet on the fly and the coach seems to back them. Um, so I just think we're in a really good position to, again, perform to our best. I just think it's a very difficult side of the draw and I'm worried about that. And I think if you, if you flip it and you run a French podcast and you were asking, or, or a New Zealand podcast, who do you want to play in a quarterfinal? Like, I don't think anyone wants to play Ireland either. Like, they have been the best team in the last... Them and France have been the best... I, I think Ireland and France remain the best two teams in the world. I think New Zealand are coming, but I do wonder about the strength of that rugby championship. I want to see New Zealand play France on the opening night before I make a definitive... Look, look all three Barretts look really good. Artie Seve is excellent. They've got a tight five now that they can they can actually hang a team around compared to the, the, the tour. I don't think you want any of those teams. Like South Africa not having Pollard on board massive, is massive yeah. to me. Huge, so that opens huge. that opens the door for Ireland and Scotland to go through. Yeah, like Ooh. I think South Africa could get knocked out in the pool stage. They could. They could lose they'll both smoke, of those games. They'll smoke uh, Scotland. I think what's, where Scotland. I know you said Scotland. they look big, but Scotland's tight five no, no, got they, destroyed they, by yeah. France in that game. And I think France were. But my Fran fear France about Scotland's tight five. Their starting tight five is the best. In the world, yeah, but South Africa will be close, Pretty and close. Yeah, they're yeah, yeah, put yeah. the back row scrummaging in as well. Like South Africa carrying an injured captain. Go back to what we talked about at the start. I, like, how much is he going to play? And if he plays, is that a second a second ACL? Certainly, like coming back from ACL takes months, as far as I'm aware, to actually hit top form. That's a concern. The strange unless squad they change their squad. Two hookers. Neenabar swears four, he's not going to change. Four scrum halves. It's mad. You know, it sounded like he was kind of banking on someone getting injured so he could bring Pollard back into the team. Like, he's like, yeah, like, like Libok's a really exciting player, but I don't think he's a, he's, he's a test out half yet. I think he could be. He's really, like, I, I like watching him at the URC level, but there's a box of... Is he jump. a South African? Is he a, is that, the, the more important question, I think, with, 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 with that 10 situation in South Africa is figuring out, is he actually a Springbok 10? Not that whether he's a good 10, because there's a way that they play. Yes. And you have to be able to play. Like the, the, those guys generally, I think that the, if you think about the best Springbok 10s where the team has actually been successful, they're generally pretty solid, like around the pitch, but they can, you know, they can guide that big pack around alongside a kicking nine. Even the he's, goal he's kicking. Not a kicking 15. He's not a controlling 10. Faft and Turks can be kicking their goals. And like, or Colby or Willem. Like, remember, like in, like, in Dublin, that, like, is, that was. A they should have won mess. in Dublin. Yeah. But they had Willems of kicking. Ireland didn't play well. Really in November didn't play particularly well, but they beat the, the world champions in a 10 minute spell and then hung on and relied on films and missing kicks. Like, that's a massive part. Like, think about the semi final last time when they beat Wales through the clerks box kicking and, and, and Pollard picking things off and one moment of magic by LaRue, who does a lot of their playmaking, which allows them to pick a more functional 10. I, I think there's massive risks around South Africa at this World Cup. I just think the balance their squad is all wrong. And Scotland, look, I think you're right. I think they're, they're, Scotland will struggle to live with Ireland and South Africa in the type because I don't think their pack is good enough. And Ireland have always had just that power 
We Ireland give up power against other teams, but they've always been able to bully Scotland. Again, the run of games is difficult. But, you know, the South African squad, I, I think we started this talking about uh, where Ireland are rated. I think Ireland are justifiably rated as, as one of the top teams based on the body of work they've put together. And I don't think there's any service to be given to them by talking them down because of our previous World Cup record. Because the coach they have now, I think because of his vast experience of being involved in World Cups as a player and a coach, has created an environment where they won't get stifled. But like, do you think say, the baggage oh, is irrelevant? Not irrelevant. And I think they will have to deal with it around the time of the quarterfinal when it comes, if they get there. And they will have to be asked questions about it. And if Steve Hansen said a very interesting thing after they, New Zealand had beaten Ireland four years ago. He said, um, and I'm paraphrasing, we kept hearing about all the experience this Ireland team had, but experience is no use to you if it's bad experience. And all they've done in their lives is lose quarterfinals. We win. So it was a really interesting way he flipped the psychology of it. But re- I don't know how burdened the Doris Sheehan of Gibson Park, James Lowe, Mac Hansen, to name five, are going to be by prior World Cup history. I think Farrell has taken a lot of the burdens away from them. This is a, like their family's going to be over there. I think he is. He's built this environment where they go and work and they go and relax. And I think it will serve them well at this World Cup. It won't be like 07 where they were just going up the walls with each other. It won't be, it's not like Joe having them for like, like having Joe for 16 weeks is stifling, I think. You know, by the time it gets to the quarterfinal, everyone's just, you know, so up to 90. I don't think Farrell will, I think he will get the balance right. He's certainly demonstrated it so far that he can. And they could still have their best World Cup ever and lose a quarterfinal. But I think they will perform this time. What about the part of it that it's it's the it's a new kind of structure to the World Cup? It's a longer tournament. You know, we were talking about this earlier. Like they're going to be based in one French city and be kind of commuting to the matches like they would from Dublin to a Six Nations weekend. So that'll pose itself. Like if 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 Tour the city in France isn't like great, they'll be there for the whole tournament. Like have Ireland? You went to a World Cup, Luke. You know, it's a long time parking the rugby parts of it just to be away in in that camp. It is unusual and with this tournament being another week longer, like have Ireland got that part of it right from having been to a World Cup and what you know from the other uh, tournaments? Have, have Ireland got the kind of the, the camp portion of it right, do you think? Yeah, see, it's probably difficult, different going to it as a single guy. Like you're kind of focused um, there anyway. Like, you know, you're not really missing, like you're missing maybe your family and friends, but it's it's different. Like I, we were, my World Cup experience was in kind of the UK. So I have lots of pals in London and things. So I was able to pop out for, you know, uh, that wasn't actually that much of a hardship for me. Um, whereas if you're away from your family, having kids now, I'd know like you, you would miss them, you know, and, and, a, and a phone call, uh, like a, you know, a, a FaceTime isn't going to fill that void for you. But what I can see, from what I can see, it looks like even in Portugal, it looks like lots of the families seem to be, they organized families to be alongside the team. So lots of guys who had kids were able to pop in and out of camp exactly as, as, as Rhodes has said. Now, I don't know if there's the plan for for the World Cup. Yeah, I think. Um, he, he, do you know, sorry to to talk to it. Actually, he 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 looks like he's built a space for that to be okay for those people to be around the squad and it looks like it's well organized and they don't overdo because if you have people overstepping and they're actually the stress of family life seeps in, that's not good either. I, I'm paraphrasing conversations I've had before. I think what they're doing in tour is that the team are in this hotel, which is completely off limits to the public and media, and it's just their own space. But families are going to basically be allowed, not allowed, I mean, they can come, come and go as they please, but I think a lot of families have booked Airbnbs in the city. So they'll be able to go and stay with them at certain times and go, go and visit. Um, it's it's like a, a pressure I think, I think it'll be like. And I think the good. fact, like Bordeaux was a big problem because they were in an unfinished, from my understanding, I wasn't in, in there in 07, but they were in an unfinished hotel in the middle and outside, outside of the city. In Tour, I think what they, they, apparently it's quite a nice place. It's not really at the World Cup because there'll be a couple of Irish journalists around and maybe some floating Irish fans who are experiencing the Loire Valley, but there's no matches there. So there's no real sense that there's a big thing going on. So they'll be able to go into Bordeaux for the first weekend, do their match, decompress for a couple of days, then roll into Nantes, back to tour, decompress. Now there's not there during the knockouts. Once you get to the knockouts, you're, you're in Paris um, as long as you're there. But I do get the sense that it, it will work for them. I think there's enough to do there. There's enough... Um, from my limited research of it, there's you know it's it's a nice place with lots of good coffee shops and I'm, you know obviously they're not going to go to bars too often but like there, there is a bit of a, a life in the city. It's a university town, so like that part of it is really important. In Japan, I got the sense, and I could be, I have a, we, in 2015 we went to Celtic Manor and Paul O'Connell had been. It was a day after the the Wales or sorry the France game, and O'Connell was. We knew O'Connell was out, but Joe wouldn't tell us he was out. So, like, I'd heard he was, like, in agony on the table. Everyone knew he was gone. We went to this press conference. They put Rob Kearney up on either the Sunday morning or the Monday morning. 
and I was really serious. And I was like, how's Paul? And how is it going to affect you? And it's really bad. And we were like, Jesus, they're miserable. And then the video came out of McElroy and, and, and you were shot. <laughs> and you were all having a great time. I was wondering, I was so, like, <laughs> I think that was after the French match. Yeah, it was. But like, it was like, no one, like, oh, in their infinite video. wisdom, no one in the RFU came in and started goes, lads, I know Paul's here. But like, McElroy was in this morning. The, it, something funny happened. Ask Rob about that. And, and it would have just lifted the whole mood. So sometimes the, because media stuff can be so serious and the players don't want to do it and we're all um, there to try and find out about the serious thing that's going on, we don't appreciate that actually. There's loads, loads of great crack happening. Yeah, yeah, so look, yeah. like you know, we sometimes. But Japan did seem quite miserable. I, I met a couple of the players in in Yokohama the first week, and they were like, "What are you? What have you been doing?" And I was like, "We're well, having a great time, like you know, karaoke bar. You know, the, the, this is where the, this this place is really good for this food. This place for and Japan was so interesting. But they, I think they felt really claustrophobic and cooped up in Japan. And um, the hotel they stayed with was um, before the Japan game was in the middle of nowhere. It was a really weird thing that I can't really explain, but like Joe kept mentioning it by name. Um, it was in the middle of nowhere. It was like the holiday was they, they relaxed, but they were bored. I think they were really bored in Japan. Tyke Furlong did an interview before the Samoa game and he was like, lads, you don't understand, but international rugby is really, really hard. And you're like, man, you're at the tournament. Like you go to other camps, they're like loving it. This is the tournament of your life. That seemed like a struggle. I think Farrell will t- will, will saw all that. He was there for all of it. He will flip it. I like. I know I'm putting a lot on his shoulders. Well, he's a player. He, 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 do you know what the good thing? The, the difference between him and Joe, I think, maybe is that, um, yeah, Joe's intense, but Farrell will be intense too. You know, I think. But he's intense at the right times. Yeah, he's, but he's I would up. feel like he's been in. Do you know? Do you know if you've been? He would. He's been in rugby league teams like which are meant to be like they're a bit wild, like good fun back in the day, like really good crack. Like he to be like a leader amongst those guys, you would have to have been good fun. You have to be able to switch it off, as you say, switch it on for for these lads. Let's let's switch in here now. We've got to win. You know, we're, we're, we're game to, we're game mode now. But he he would also have been. I always think Paul O'Connell is a great guy for this too because he could talk. Paulie could talk to anyone, but he's he is up in the middle of the laughs, the jokes. He's at the heart of that stuff too. So I would feel like he would be. And he, and you never you never not take Paul O'Connell seriously either. If he gets serious, you go okay. Like everyone's time to switch in. Farrell would kind of remind me a bit of that. Having someone like Paulie around, they're two kind of leaders of men who are great fun too. They would have a good sense of what, what rugby players will find fun or what a group of lads will find fun that can decompress. Mm. And I feel like they've got the balance of those things right well, all the it's, way it's, through. It's, it's Joe, hard, has, Joe has been a teacher. I, do you know what I mean? Joe has been a school teacher like of a big school, serious guy, really into the weeds and the details. That, that, that's a difference there. And he's always and, telling people what to be doing. Farrell put in a, one of the things he did at the start was like, we don't have meetings in hotels. So everything happens. Now it was lucky they got Abbottstown at the right time, but they basically, they leave Carton House and go to Abbottstown and the work begins. And you do all your work there. You have all your meetings there and you finish up at five or six o'clock and you go back to the hotel and you don't see the coaches again unless unless you want it. But really that's that's your downtime. Whereas I think with Joe, as, as I understand, it, I remember the Argentina tour in 14. Oh, you'd be wanting new, to be down. I can he, tell you now from experience, Rhodes, you would, if you're there, and you're like, particularly if you're on the edge of selection, like I used to just be waiting there. Like I wasn't even, I'm not sure I was watching stuff that was really beneficial, but I just made sure I was seen that's to waste, be at that and laptop. I, and that's going. what I always felt with Joe was, was yeah. a lot of wasted energy and lads were spending time. Whereas actually what you should be doing is, is up, FaceTime at home or, or just actually chilling out because you need to switch off sometimes. And I think Farrell has... Now look, in, again, in a month's time, we'll be all saying, geez, they weren't detailed enough. You know, like we, this could all go horribly wrong. It's up, but the way he's managed this... He's got it right so far. Yeah. I think like, look, we, we can we can caveat everything we say with, oh, I could be... Yeah. yeah. You know, and, and like, so what? If people, if there's egg on your face, you, all you can do, I completely agree with you. You just you. have to listen to what right. the players are saying I, as well. Uh, yeah. The players I, I think are you're saying right. in black yeah. and white. Everything, yeah. you've, everything you've said today that you've gone, oh, well, maybe I, I look like it. No, you're... We, all we can do is go on just the evidence we have all the Twitter backlash. I'm always conscious of it. I just noticed I'm doing it too as well. I'm kind of going, why am I even saying that? Because like all I can do is go on the on, on the evidence and the people I've spoken to and the results and they've all speak for themselves. This Irish team is in a really good position. Yeah. We could, again, uh, like I think it's 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 completely fair for us to say we're on a more difficult side of the draw. The, the, the more pertinent question about that is are we right to be comparing this with other World Cups? You can only, you, all you can really do is say what's in front of us here and in this World Cup it's bloody difficult. That quarterfinal is going to be really, really difficult no matter who we face and, that, and that's just, that's the reality yeah. of the situation. But I asked Rod earlier like do you think the baggage is, is irrelevant? No, I think it is irrelevant. I do. I think it is irrelevant. I think it'll be, if anything, it'll be a positive. I think it will. If anything, it'll be a positive. But I do feel that. Honestly, Andy Farrell, Andy Farrell, well, they have. No, I do well, they have that. made. They've made a history throughout his time, and he's made a big. T- he's not afraid to embrace embrace that. So, going out to New Zealand was like every. He seems to team a lot of things around these achievements, like whether it's a hundred caps or. So, I think you're right. I think he will say, and he's been framing it for a couple of years. They've been talking about yeah. this World Cup for a couple of years. 
So I think making history, I think you're right. I think he can flip it. I was telling someone at the weekend, I think you told me when you went to the draw that there was like a 10 minute montage of World Cup moments like Ireland didn't feature like a single time. And it kind of summed up like where our place is and like the history There's, of the tournament. It's quite bleak and I think this feeds into why I'm quite obsessed with the World Cup. I've I've been there till the final, the last two World Cups and being Irish at a World Cup after Ireland have gone home, you feel so irrelevant. Like an Ireland as a rugby nation feels so irrelevant. It's really time that given the, the last couple of years. not to make. Yeah, absolutely. But there's, it's it's that draw is horrible. So that like as I say, they could have their best World Cup ever and still go out at the quarterfinal. To me, it's about how they perform in that quarterfinal because the last two, Luke's courageous comeback aside in fifteen, like they just haven't that delivered. Wasn't funny with it. Not funny with that. But anyway, like, <laughs> I was like, saying, it spawned this podcast. Like the intro music for about ten years was just like cutting back inside. <laughs> Should have passed a Murray. <laughs> no, it's a funny. It, it, I completely think like our two record in, defeats at World Cups are the last two quarterfinals. So, like, I just think, and last four years ago, they were just terrible against New Zealand. Yeah, they were really bad. But I think there were more, they had some selection things too. I, I think there's more, they're a more settled team. I think, interestingly enough, and just to come back to that Irish team, and because uh, I think it is probably one of the areas we, we were going to cover anyway, was, you know, where where are the risk factors? I, I, Keenan actually seems like a big, that, I actually be more worried about that play, position than any other position. If he goes down, who slots in there? And we have good players there, but he's become a really important player for this team. I, I wonder about that one. That's my big worry. I think we're actually not too bad behind Sexton. And I think the guys will get some time to play in the competition before. Um, well, what do you make of Jimmy O'Brien there? I love him there, but he he's still he's small next. though. He's still a small guy there. But, I think he's um, next. I asked Farrell about this a couple months ago and he was the first name he mentioned, which is, and he played there obviously in, against Italy and I thought he looked good as a second distributor, but he, I think that's that's who you're looking at. I think if, if he goes down, yeah. that's who you're looking at. So, yeah. I mean, like you played there. Like, uh, Difficult looks, position. Yeah. Yeah, it is tricky. And I th- do you know what I like about him? I, I think he's a good tackler. Uh, he's a lovely ball player. Nice skills. Nice skills. I like that. So yeah, no, that, that makes sense to me. It's just whether you can, could he deal with kind of high balls and things. It looks like New Zealand have gone a bit more to that tactic as well over the, over the last couple of uh, months. I wonder why. Um, but, um, you know, that it'll mean they'll be good there. So, but he is good and he's decent in the air, I suppose. Um, but yeah, any thoughts on any on, on positions? Where would you be worried about? I, like t- you would have said, Tyke Furlong maybe was one, but I'm actually more concerned about Lucid. I think if Porter goes down while, um, both Keane Healy and Dave Kilcoyne will do a good, a, you know, a good strong job around the nuts and bolts of it. They can't do what Andrew Porter does physically in terms of dominating collisions, um, in terms of his ball playing. You know, like I, I do think going into a big game with Healy starting and Kilcoyne coming off the bench is a worry. So I but think the only thing is he's good at his scrum time. He seems to be the scrum is the. It seems like you get to kind of two different things, don't you? It seems like Healy kind of gnarly seems to be great at scrum and line outs and then you wonder about like Kilcoyne seems to give you a bit more around the park still yeah. it seems like you don't you have one or the other because like, Kilcoyne is very strong around the pitch like no def- definitely but I just think even if you put if you put them together maybe but like Porter is in terms of what he gives you in terms of like what makes Ireland great is our, our ball play in tight five and, and he brings that and I think there's a big drop off in terms of you know from scrum to scrum what you get from an Andrew Porter um Sort of, you know, Keane Healy seven years ago, absolutely, because he was such a, he was Andrew Porter yeah. before Andrew Sorry, Porter arrived. That he's still playing. It's like, incredible. Such a high like, level. I don't want to do the right thing. on, he was saying as well. I thought, yeah. Yeah. I thought he might be yeah. finishing up. But I think his body feels, every time I see him, he, I think, um, I think there's probably a little bit of weight off, like as in he, I think he was playing higher when he was a little bit earlier. He might have been playing the 120 kilo, this kind of area. I think he trimmed down a little bit. I think it's been great for his career. And obviously the, the, the issues you have with the next seem to have all kind of resolved. So, um, Outside centre is the other one. Really? Yeah, yeah, I think like... As in a pure outside centre. Well, just if, if Gary Ringrose just, goes down, yeah. you're looking at... Jimmy O'Brien. Um, Probably Henshaw. I, well, O'Brien is probably the most like-for-like or you've got Henshaw shifting out and... Do you want well, to take Henshaw that away? It's nice. Well, the like 12s are so strong. That's yeah, really, well, yeah. You, you've got... Bundy and Robbie Henshaw have had a great hand partnership, you know. They're going they have, like, yeah. Be, yeah, yeah. I, I, maybe I'm a bit, a bit like, scarred by the Italy game over in, in Rome where, where Bundy played a 13. That can never happen oh, Bundy's again. not a 13. That 10, 12, 13 of Ross Byrne McCluskey he can't too slow. Aki can't play um, there he doesn't have the, the Henshaw, lateral I just movement. didn't think Henshaw went great there against Italy but again it was more work of warm up so I wouldn't read too much into it but I do think Ringrose is quite important to the way the team and he's attack so, and defend he, he's so and he's um, leader he's a brilliant leader but he's so physical like I hope someone has had a word I've I, yeah I feel like I'm I think I might have talked to Tricko about it actually briefly and he was saying no he, he, he that's what the coach wants them to do 
But like, he doesn't need to, I feel like he, he's in great positions. He doesn't need to go complete kamikaze. I think like lots of the time when you're defending, it's actually, you want to go 100% in the contact every time. That, that's fine because you get hurt if you go, if you take a little bit off there. But it's the, it's the it's the entrance into it. I just feel like sometimes he could be going 85% pace versus 100% pace. Now, I know you don't push as many people back inside that way, which is what they want. But he'll make more tackles and he won't probably hurt himself. He's, he looks like to me sometimes he's going out of control into it, but he's such a brave guy. And some of the hits are so brilliant. Like they are great. There's such a big lift when you get a big Gary Ringroves hit behind the gainer going, that is such a big lift for the team. But just for himself, if, if I agree, he's a very important cog in this team and he's probably our only pure 13. And um, that is an area where you're kind of saying, geez, I just hope he lasts the tournament because... Obviously, he's had a few injuries of late, and he he is very important. I agree with you. So that's yeah. There's, it's there's an interesting few, there's like, a few areas. I wouldn't maybe, like yeah. to lose Doris either. Like, but I mean, I think there's more cover there. But I, I think you lose a back rower. Uh, yeah. you know, like there's a couple. Like every team, even even France, like. You like take a few they, bodies. France lose yeah, to Ponds, something, yeah. it's all over. I think you know. Oh, do you? Uh, I, don't, I don't know. Probably, yeah. yeah. I think he's so important Maybe. to them. So everyone so good against France. Did you see the Drico broke down a lovely clip of him on that short side play? It was like he is class. Like the little, the, just the little touches that you get with him. It's not just the big plays, which were we love, like him handing someone off at five foot eight or whatever he is. And he five foot eight is probably being generous, but or the runs. It's sometimes it's just the little plays he makes too. Like he is key. Like yeah, yeah. That's no, good point. Just Jeff. before we finish up, so obviously England Saturday, like. What do you want to be kind of talking about on Monday? What would be a good successful? Not injuries. <laughs> not, not, <laughs> yeah. not really. I really hope. Yeah. Like, you know, sorry, this is real obvious stuff, but like everyone gets through it. I think you want to, what you want is 23 players who put their hand up. That, that, that you know, I, I want to see a good, strong Irish performance that reminds everyone of why they are world number one team that puts England back in their box a little bit because I think Ireland owe England one from four years ago, even though the team has changed completely. But that was a fairly damaging day. Um, and they are still England and, are, and are Ireland's rivals. And I do think the Ireland are, have built so well towards this. There's almost like the, the, this side of the draw owes it to the other side of the draw to keep reminding them of this way of doing things. And, and uh, like it would be such a shame if one of the teams who had a, a chaotic build-up ended up going further in the tournament. Um, I would like to see... I'd like to see Gavin Coombs get an opportunity and and uh, in, some, in some form, especially with Conan's injury, like he could end up having an important role in this World Cup. Season. He, he did, season, and I yeah. think he's one of these guys, I think, that we, from what you hear, he goes quite quiet when he goes into camp, but he always plays big for Munster. I'd love to see him get an opportunity and play the way he does and, and, and whatever baggage he might have about going up into an Ireland jersey, like to, to shed it and to be the Gavin Coombs that we know he can be because I don't think there's anything to stop him transferring his Munster form into Ireland form. Um, I like to see Crowley go again at 10. I want to, I think that the, starting, if you are, if you are going to put him on the bench in those big games, I think if he's training better, I think I, 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 I will be backing Crowley all the way now. I think Burnham will probably get it, but I, there's a sense of momentum behind Crowley now and he was so good in that Italy game for 40 minutes. I'd, I just back him. I don't think there's enough time to, to, to be mixing and matching. If they think he's the guy, go with him. Um, so yeah, I just think a, like a really strong Irish performance um, with everyone standing up and getting through it unscathed. That's, that would be a good day at the office. Mm. Give you the last word then. Anything else you want to add to it? Um, I'd like to see Burn there. Because yeah. I feel like it's quite important that he gets the, the majority of the game. I completely get the point. And I agree with the momentum, particularly outside of the camp. Um, he has a lot of momentum media-wise. Um, I think um, it's very important though because if Sexton does get injured, like it's you're not guaranteed, you know, just given his, his profile, you know, he like he is, he looks like he's in great shape to me, seems in a happy place and he won't have that many games to play, but just you do need to have both bodies fitting well in there, you know, um, just in case of a New Zealand type scenario where, you know, the home World Cup where you get, you're down to Donald, you know. Um, so I do think it's important he gets game time and I do like him there. And I'd like to see him maybe who's rectify the, the... Who's the, the equivalent? Who, who's coming off the... Is it Mads? Mads off the... Could be Mads. Straight from Black Could be Mads. Exactly. No, I think that's an important one. I'd like to see the front row go well, um, go well at scrum time. I think that's going to be important if you're thinking South Africa, maybe France quarterfinal, the scrum is important. I know it's a weird thing for me to say, but... Um, I'd love to see them go well against a tough England pack. I think they'll be organized there. Um, and I'd actually like to see, this is going to be a weird one, because I, I think the attack will will come. I think this team have loads of ability in the attacking sphere. And I think they're very confident about what they're doing and competent um, across the 30 bodies. They can play a good attacking rugby, this team, I think. And they need to dominate the ball if they're going to want to go far in the competition. But 
I think if they want to go far in the competition, they also have to defend really well. And I'd like to see them do that. I'd like to have them to see a bit of a lockdown performance against an England team that have played a bit more. There'll be a bit more in their legs in this Irish team. So that's always going to be a little bit challenging, I think, at this time for a team at the start of the year. Defence, it's not... It's not what everyone wants to hear, but if they go well defensively and at scrum time, I think this team are, you know, they'll get the line out right with O'Connell and the bodies they have. Scrum time is going to be key against those two teams I mentioned. And um, defence, they, they need to lock down those teams defensively if they want to go far in the competition because I believe they have enough to score tries against all those teams. It's whether they can lock the others down as well would be the key to them progressing. So, um, yeah, really excited for it. I think it'll be a nice time. It's it's nice. It's it's good. Rudd's brought up that memory. I think Ross Byrne would be the perfect guy, maybe to 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 have it. It'd be a nice little exclamation point on his turnaround. I think yeah. um, in his own career, um, and I'd love to see him get a good go. And then we you know we we see who who played better. Um, and it's a battle between Crowley and himself over the next couple of weeks in training to see who starts the, the first World Cup match. Well, there's many intriguing talking points to look forward to this Saturday. In the meantime, I'd like to thank Luke and Rudd for joining me in studio. This week, we'll be back next week with another podcast. Looking back on Ireland's game against England. And in the meantime, you can subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or listen on independent.ie. So until next time, thanks for listening and goodbye. This is an Irish independent podcast.